On this episode of Speaking of Higher Ed, conversations on teaching and learning. You know, we've been getting a lot of questions from faculty and students about, you know, should we use this? How do we use it? And um, we found that we've been returning just to some more foundational conversations about, well, why do you have writing in your course to begin with? generates massive amounts of text, you know, like it, it's wild to put in a prompt and have it just, you know, start making sentences, you know. They are meant to sound like humans. They use very large data sets. They're called LLMs um, that are entered in to kind of analyze how humans talk um, in different contexts. Not only does it produce, you know, fake sources, but sometimes it will grab real ones, but it will misattribute authorship. Welcome to Speaking of Higher Ed, conversations on teaching and learning. This podcast is produced by the Center for Instructional Innovation at Augusta University. I'm your host, Andrew Everett. The purpose of this podcast is to create a resource that will inspire and assist faculty in creating engaging and meaningful learning experiences. This is episode three. Please share this episode and subscribe. New episodes are released on the third Wednesday of each month during spring and fall semesters. Today we have two guests with us. They are Dr. Candace Bond and Dr. James Garner. Thank you both for being here. Dr. Bond is the director of the Center for Writing Excellence and an associate professor here at AU. Dr. Garner is the associate director uh, of the Center for Writing Excellence. Before we dive into the topic today, I'd like listeners who don't know you to learn a little about you. So we'll start with Dr. Bond. uh, Briefly, tell me about the professional path that brought you to AU. Sure. Um, Well, thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm excited to be here. I've been at Augusta University for about seven years, and prior to that, I went to graduate school in St. Louis, Missouri at St. Louis University, and I actually got my PhD in literature. I focused on British modernism, which is definitely not really what I do today, Uh, but when I went on the job market, I applied for both writing center director jobs and literature professor jobs, and it was at that time that I realized how much easier it was for me to communicate why I valued the work that writing centers do. Um, I had a, a harder time kind of articulating, um, you know, my my path in literature. And so um, when the job offers came in, I realized I wanted to pursue writing center directing and kind of uh, make a move into the field that's called rhetoric and composition, which that's um, where I identify my specialty today. So we study um, argument and we study um, how and why people write. Uh, so since my time here at AU, I've been directing um, what used to be called the Writing Center, and now we have changed our name about a year ago to the Center for Writing Excellence. And I teach classes um, in writing, and um, Dr. Garner and I work across the university to provide education not just to um, students like in my classroom, um, but to students, faculty, and staff across the university who are interested in integrating writing into their courses and their curriculum. So y'all do a lot. And, and so how many years have you been here uh, at AU now? This is my seventh year. Seventh year, wow, okay. So you like Augusta University in Augusta? I do. Um, I think that this university has a lot to offer and it has a lot of things that make it unique. And what makes me want to stay here the most is the students. Um, I've never really worked with students who are so committed um, and we have a really diverse student body and I enjoy working um, with students you know, across all different paths of life. Great. Well, we're glad you're here at AU. And Dr. Garner, tell me about the path that led you to AU. Yeah, my path's a little bit of a circle um, because I actually graduated from Augusta University with a degree in English in uh, 2010. Um, and uh, yeah, I kind of after that knocked around a little bit uh, figuring out what I wanted to do. And I landed on uh, 
doing a PhD in rhetoric and composition studies, as uh, Dr. Bond mentioned. Um, and I uh, did a PhD in rhetoric, what's called rhetoric and writing, um, at the University of Texas at Austin. Um, and uh, I was very excited when this job uh, actually came on the market. I started here in July. Um, I was a visiting assistant professor at Fordham University in New York, um, and I was fully planning on staying there longer. Um, and then this came open, and um, it was kind of a uh, it was a no brainer that I had to apply for this one. Um, I actually worked in an earlier version of the Center for Writing Excellence um, when it was just called the Augusta University Writing Center. And um, I, I really fell in love with writing center work in graduate school, um, where I you know uh, helped direct the um, Writing Center at the University of Texas at Austin. And um, so, yeah, this was uh, this has been very exciting to kind of exciting, a little surreal, a little weird um, to, to return to my alma mater, um, you know, directing the Writing Center where I kind of got my start. That's a really great story. Well, we're glad you're back. I'm, I'm glad to be back. And yeah, thank you for having me here today. Let's get into our topic for today, which is artificial intelligence in higher ed. So with the recent buzz around ChatGPT, we want to discuss how do we approach AI text generators. And so my first question is, what are AI text generators and how do they work? So of course, I posed this question to two AI text generators first, and then I'll, I'll read excerpts uh, from their answers of what they are and how they work, and then I'll let y'all respond to that. The first one is from perplexity.ai, and it says, an AI text generator is a type of software that uses artificial intelligence to produce written copy. It works by using advanced natural language processing techniques to analyze existing text and generate new text that is similar in style and content. AI text generators are beneficial in supplying high quality content quickly and efficiently. AI text generators can be used for a variety of applications such as creating content for websites or social media posts. They can also be used to generate text similar to human creativity and writing style that most humans cannot generally distinguish. And the same question posed to ChatGPT the answer there is AI text generators are computer programs that use artificial intelligence algorithms to generate human-like text. These algorithms are typically based on deep learning models, such as the transformer architecture, that are trained on large data sets of text, such as books, articles, and websites. There are uh, various types of AI text generators, including one, language models that generate text based on input prompts or topics, two, chatbots that generate responses to natural language queries, three, text summarizers that generate summaries of longer texts. However, it's important to note that the generated text may not be accurate or may not always be accurate or reflect a human's moral or ethical values. And it's essential to use them responsibly and with proper scrutiny. So how would y'all respond to that? What would you add? Well, I would just say that um, the, the AI text generators are, generators are very confident in their abilities. Um, <laughs> that first their... one really was selling us on, uh, yeah. Yeah, but no, I think that, um, that that is how I understand these programs as well, um, that they are meant to sound like humans. They use very large data sets. They're called LLMs um, that are entered in to kind of analyze how humans talk um, in different contexts. And then using predictive text, um, you know, and, and learning as they go, they're able to then create this output that sounds very human-like. 
Yeah, the other thing I would mention that uh, those summaries by the AIs themselves didn't necessarily mention is um, they these new ones like ChatGPT are I mean, they're they're generative and transformer models, which means that and. I hope no computer scientist is going to like melt down when I try to explain this. But uh, from my understanding, um, they're also learning based on you know the the feedback that um, users are giving it and the prompts that users are giving it. So it's not just like the large data sets they're trained on. Then they're trained as more users use it and you know give um, feedback about the kind. I mean, ChatGPT is at or OpenAI, the company that makes ChatGPT, is um, you know actively soliciting feedback from users about mm. the kinds of responses it's giving. So, ideally, it's learning and getting better too as more people use it. And I, I do want to add, um, Perplexity.ai is also based on the GPT three mm-hmm. um, model. I'm not sure what to call it that ChatGPT uses as well. The difference in Perplexity.ai is it does give citations. When it, mm. um, to some of the um, claims, some of the, the sentences that it creates, which is something that ChatGPT, as of this recording, does not do. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. And also, you mentioned it, how they're improving. Mm-hmm. And uh, I read that the company can monitor the, what you're putting in and the, out, the inputs and the outputs in mm-hmm. order to improve it. So you want to be careful what you're <laughs> what you're putting into the Don't go put it. your passwords yeah, or anything. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Well, so let's take a step back from the text generators for just a second, and let's talk about, uh, Dr. Bond, what is the purpose of writing in college? Sure. Um, well, as as Jamie and I have talked about uh, ChatGPT and other AI text generators, we've had a lot of discussions about, you know, well, why do we teach writing in the first place? Um, because people are, are anxious. Um, you know, we've been getting a lot of questions from faculty and students about, you know, should we use this? How do we use it? And... Um, we found that we've been returning just to some more foundational conversations about, well, why do you have writing in your course to begin with? And I think there are a lot of reasons that we write in college um, or in a higher education context. Um, and most of them don't focus on a product, which I think that the use of these AI text generators is very product oriented. You know, it's all about like just getting something out there that you can then turn in. Um, But when we write in college, we're learning a lot of skills that don't really have to do with the final product. Um, Writing, for one, is discovery. uh, So it's a form of invention. And if you've learned about the writing process, um, it's not really linear, but we kind of have these stages that we tend to want students to to go through probably multiple times. And the first one is invention, which is just brainstorming and figuring out what you know and what you don't know and what you think about something. And... um, this is a really important skill for any discipline, and it's it's something I think that makes us human too. Is that we we enjoy we are curious beings, like we enjoy pursuing lines of inquiry, and writing is one way to do that. Um, writing is also a way to express how we feel um, about things and to kind of refine how we articulate that to, to different audiences. So um, we all have things we believe in or don't believe in, or we have ideas that we want to get out into the world. And writing is a way to kind of test that out and see what works for communicating that in different contexts. Um, and so that's more of a skill as well that takes a lot of practice. Um, and so we also use writing uh, to become, I hate the word socialized, but I guess kind of socialized into different um, discourse communities would be the fancy way of saying it, but just different communities. Um, and so when you're writing, 
for, you know, different genres or for different disciplines, you're learning how those people think, you're learning how they do work, and then you're learning to shape your voice and your style and your organization and your content um, to fit the kinds of needs and expectations of those disciplines or those audiences or context. Um, So really, all of those three skills, and there's probably more, maybe um, Jamie will mention them, but um, they are not really focused on the final product. Um, They are focused on things that you have to practice over time and that hopefully help you evolve as a critical thinker. And so I think that when we go back to those reasons for teaching writing um, or what is the purpose of teaching writing, we're really helping people develop as people. We're helping them develop as academics or professionals, you know, whatever they're going to do after college. Um, We're helping them gain a sense of identity and, you know, whatever they're going to go on to do. And we're also um, giving them skills that they'll need to think critically about new situations um, and about things that they really care about down the line. And so I think that the purpose is not so much getting these beautiful final products um, so much as it is teaching people these valuable skills that will be with them their whole lives. Mm -hmm. Anything to add? Yeah, I mean, I would just reiterate that a lot of the conversations happening in our field and rhetoric and composition especially are, um, yeah, they're going back to this idea that the purpose of writing isn't just to produce the polished final product. It really is about um, all of those skills and habits of mind that you develop while writing. Um, And ChatGPT does a lot of things well, um, as we'll talk about, but... um, you know, it's uh, it's it just off sort of outsourcing all of your critical thought to ChatGPT isn't going to develop those you know skills, and that that's where writing um, and continuing to kind of reflect on and refine your writing process um, is, is invaluable. We think it's invaluable. So, what are the affordances and limitations mm-hmm. of AI text generators? Well, I mean, as we've seen, you know, I, I think this is still very much um, emerging, uh, both affordances mm-hmm. and limitations as people um, play with it more and figure out interesting ways to manipulate the prompts. But I mean, what we've seen already as far as affordances go, um, it generates massive amount. I mean, it, you played with it a little bit. It ma- generates massive amounts of text. You know, like it, it's wild to put in a prompt and have it just, you know, start making sentences, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it really is uh, unlike anything I've ever seen. So it, it can generate um, a lot of content really quickly. Um, it, you know, for as we think about its affordances in higher education, especially um, for writers, I mean, it's pretty good at summarizing. It can, you know, you, I saw one guy on Twitter who um, he actually, you know, uh, kind of free wrote like ten or twelve thousand words and then put it into Chat GPT and asked it to give it structure and make it coherent, remove redundancies. And it gave him back pretty, you know, polished prose. So there's an editing function to it as well. Um, and uh, and it also, um, yeah, it, oh, and it's also very good. We, we've learned for, you know, things like um, developing search terms and just getting kind of an overview of like very common, you know, topics. Um, now, as far as limitations go, um, this is where it gets pretty interesting. Um, it, you know, the, the things that people have found, I mean, as they admit themselves, um, it uh, sometimes makes up information. Um, it will supply, uh, source. it'll make up sources. Um, I was talking to one professor who put in a prompt and 
it uh, you know it they were asking it for like uh, recipes and it just kind of made up whole cloth you know primary sources um, it makes up secondary sources when it doesn't you know have an, um, an answer um, and it seems to not be as good at some of those things that we associate with the human element of writing like um, you know synthesizing information or pushing a new argument it's it's generating new text but it doesn't um, draw conclusions or you know insights the same way that a person might give yeah um one thing I would add in terms of limitations is that you know it's just it's just spitting out things that are based on what's been put into it. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. our culture can be pretty biased in um, some pretty problematic ways. Um, so there's been a lot of output that has kind of implicit um, racist, sexist, mm-hmm. homophobic, um, you know, all kinds of biases in what it's generating. So I think that's that's a pretty big limitation. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the more interesting things that I saw in a group I'm in on Facebook I think it was PhD moms or something, was one woman was just furious because not only does it produce, you know, fake sources, but sometimes it will grab real ones, but it will misattribute authorship. So this mm. woman had actually written some pretty important text in her field in the sciences, and it had cited those things for, you know, and something she requested it to do, but then it misattributed authorship to a male author in a different field. And mm. so that also makes me think about just not even so much implicit biases in the text that's produced, but how we might perpetuate things like authorship gaps by gender or race, um, you know, inadvertently through use of these kinds of programs. Um, so that was just kind of one of the more interesting things that I saw. I will say that in terms of affordances, in addition to the things that um, Dr. Garner mentioned, I do think that there are ways to use ChatGPT to push yourself as a critical thinker. Um, like if you don't have access to something like the Writing Center mm-hmm. or um, to a trusted friend or colleague where you can bounce ideas off of, I think that um, you know you can ask it to generate some, like you could put in some research questions and then ask it, what are the patterns you see in these questions? Um, that's similar to like using it to generate good search terms. Um, I think you could also kind of input some of your own text and ask it, like like Dr. Garner mentioned, to kind of summarize what are the themes here to get clearer in your thinking. I also saw a really cool assignment um, from a creative writing professor on LinkedIn where he required students to use ChatGPT in their fiction stories, they were writing stories, and he said you must include three 150-word max excerpts that were generated by ChatGPT into your story, and then you must build the story around that. So almost like a creative challenge or like a create Mm -hmm. your own ending kind of twist on something. Um, So I do think that there are affordances in terms of if you're you're going back to some of the things we said before about why are we teaching writing to begin with? Like what are the skills that we hope students gain and who do we want them to be in their fields as writers? You can do some pretty cool things with ChatGPT. Um, Also, just I'm a first-gen student, and I remember um, not really knowing what jobs were out there. And I was thinking from like a career angle, you can put in all kinds of questions about like, what are the skills you need to be an occupational therapist? Um, And, you know, of course, you have to be cautious because it's going to give you some things that are not true. But I do think just as like a quick starting point, um, it could be very helpful. Another um, affordance, um, this is something that I'll probably do in my classes um, once I know we're officially allowed at AU to, to use ChatGPT in our classes. I think we're still debating on some policies, but um, I teach rhetorical genre analysis a lot, and I will be teaching in the future a class just on that. And this is basically the study of what genres are, and genres are just kind of 
types of writing that evolve over time based on repeated like social exchanges or social conditions. So like um, you could think of the cover letter and think like, why do we have a cover letter? Well, it's because we have a certain social situation that requires we present information in a certain way and the way that that audience reads the cover letter, you know, it makes it easier if it's formatted in certain ways and if the content's organized in certain ways. Um, But I do think that if I'm trying to teach students about genres, this could be a good starting point for like, even just take the cover letter, we could ask ChatGPT, you know, give us five versions of cover letters. And then I could have students kind of um, reverse outline those or analyze those to figure out, you know, ChatGPT might not be creating the best cover letters. Like we probably don't want to use those, but we could definitely figure out what are the kind of key rhetorical moves that people do in cover letters. And then that can help them understand uh, the genre better. And I think that even um, a lay audience who maybe isn't using words like rhetorical genre analysis could do similar things at home. Like I could see my parents even um, who don't have a lot of, you know, they don't have college degrees, um, but they do search for jobs. I could see them doing something similar where they're like, show me examples of cover letters for this kind of position. And then they could use that not, you know, as the, the text that was produced, but as kind of a template or a model for how they might write their own. So I think that's, um, another benefit to tools like ChatGPT. So then how can we use these tools, these AI text generators ethically, and is this plagiarism? Well, um, I think that one thing that we all have to do within higher education is be very clear with students and each other about what we are allowing students to use these tools for and why. Um, I. So plagiarism, you know, by definition means presenting someone else's text as your own. Um, but so I do think that ChatGPT in its most basic sense, it would be plagiarism. You know, like if you ask mm-hmm. ChatGPT to produce an essay based on a prompt you get in a class and then you present that as your own work, that falls under our definition of plagiarism. But I do think that if you are using ChatGPT um, to help you construct something that is your original content. Like maybe, um, as Dr. Garner said, you've written a few paragraphs and you're trying to kind of make them more cohesive or or whatever. I mean, it is your, your original content and maybe it's just helping you revise or giving you kind of some ideas um, to help you improve it. That may, you know, it's still your, it's still your work. You've just made it better uh, through the tool. So I think the lines get a little bit murkier there. Um, And also, if professors have told their students, you know, like the creative writing example, if they've given them specific constraints um, and ways that they want the student to use ChatGPT or similar tools, then I don't think it's plagiarism if the student, you know, uses it in that way. But that's where I think as professors, we have to be very clear with our students about why. Um, So that creative writing professor, for example, he had a whole section in his syllabus where he explained what he was hoping to achieve with them as writers and how he saw AI fitting into that process. And on the prompt, he had objectives, you know, of why we're using this tool and what he hopes that it will help them achieve. And he was very clear that he didn't want this to replace their own creative, um, you know, generation of ideas, that, but that he thought that it could maybe facilitate creative thinking in helpful ways. Interesting. Anything to add? Um, yeah. I mean, I probably as far as using it ethically, I mean, the, the question about plagiarism is, as, as Dr. Bond said, it's on go, ongoing and there are lots of interesting, you know, debates happening uh, across educational fields right now, fields in higher education. But um one of the, I think probably one of the worst things we could do right now is kind of bury our head in the sand about it. And um, 
being, you know, I think being open and honest with students, like Dr. Bond said, is is the way to go. What can educators do to prepare to have these tools used in their classes or by their students? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, this is something I think we have to be careful a little bit about how we talk about it, just because we don't want to um, encourage something, uh, you know, that AU professors, you know, can't do quite yet, um, as we're still figuring all this stuff out. But um, I do think that just having honest conversations with students about what ChatGBT is and um, and talking about those affordances and limitations, um, demonstrating those affordances and limitations where they can, um, you know, and thinking as well about, um, I think it's, I think this is forcing some interesting conversations, some important conversations about the ways that we design writing assignments too. Um, so, you know, if uh, I've seen some very snarky remarks on Twitter, but, you know, so the, the general consensus or not consensus, but the sentiment is, you know, if if ChatGPT can just, you know, spit out essays that do pretty well on your assignment prompts, maybe it's time to rethink, you know, mm-hmm. what kinds of assignment prompts and what kinds of writing tasks you're actually asking students to complete and how those are um you know, uh, meaningful and and I, and and how those you know actually enhance student learning. I would also say, I mean, I think we don't need to be afraid of it. I think um, maybe you know, I think that uh, in higher education, I think we need to just go like professors and start go play with it themselves. Um, learn, you know, yeah, spend some time actually messing with ChatGPT and these kind of similar tools and. Um, you know, running assignment prompts and things like that, um, getting to know it actually is going to be the um, key, I think, in in fostering some of these conversations about it. Anything to add? Um, I would just add that I think I think it's absolutely right that the first thing we need to do is test it out ourselves mm-hmm. because it's really difficult uh, to have an opinion or um, to talk about it with students or anyone else if you haven't at least tried it. Or um, if you don't want to try it for ethical reasons, like I do have some friends who feel very strongly about the copyright issues mm-hmm. associated with um, not only the text AI generators, but like image generators and, and music generators. And I, I understand that art is something that takes a lot of time and work, and we shouldn't be taking that from other people without giving them credit. So I could understand if people don't want to try it for those reasons. But even if you don't want to try it, I think um, there are a lot of great YouTube tutorials that could at least show you how it works so that you can understand the concept and so you can kind of see some of the capabilities and the limitations. So I would definitely say that. Um, I would also say another way that professors can prepare is maybe to be honest with themselves about why they Mm. feel the way that they do. I have encountered a lot of anger and a lot of fear, um, and then sometimes excitement. And all of those are completely valid emotions when we have technological innovation like this. Um, But I think that, you know, kind of emotional monitoring and management, Mm -hmm. I guess, is important, like thinking about, okay, you know, I feel this way, I feel afraid, I, I don't know what to do in this situation. And then like trying to get at the root of that fear, like, why am I afraid? Um, So I think that kind of getting honest with ourselves and then, as Dr. Garner said, like talking with students and, you know, students are experts at technology in weird ways. Like they don't always understand the details, um, but they can use it um, Mm -hmm. kind of intuitively in ways that I think for for somebody in our generation (laughs) or or older may have more difficulty with. So I think like having some lab days in class where you just introduce this as a topic and ask students, how have you encountered it? 
What are you thinking? What are your fears? Because interestingly, a lot of students are, are kind of angry and fearful of this too. Like the the guy that created um, GPT Zero, the detective detecting um, program, he kind of said it was because he doesn't cheat or plagiarize, and he is afraid that it will become an unequal playing ground. So like that's an interesting reason, you know, to create a program. Um, so just kind of checking in with them and seeing where they are and then figuring out how could we, what are the goals of our class? Like, what are our outcomes? What are you hoping to learn in this class? And are there any reasons why we might use this? And if so, like, what would they be and, and why would that be helpful? And I think also asking students um, if they're seeing discussions about these things in the fields they plan to go into. Um, because it, it's a reality that we're trying to also prepare students to be able to support themselves and have meaningful careers. And if they're seeing that their career path is going to require that they are familiar with some of these things, then I think we have to take that pretty seriously and like see how we can support them in, in figuring out um, their own kind of boundaries and values for how, how they're willing to do this and, and how they're willing to have it be a part of their, their future career. Um, so those are just a few things, but kind of underneath all of that is just this need to make sure that we're not creating antagonistic. Um, Jamie uses the word punitive a lot when we talk about this, which I like, um, or policing environments with our students, because I think that most of us chose these jobs that we have because we care a lot about students and we enjoy um, helping them develop a growth mindset and you know move along on their paths. And so I don't want... Um, professors due to fear or, or whatever else uh, to create these environments where students feel like they're constantly being watched or uh, surveilled or punished. Um, I think that it's important that we develop trust, um, which is why those open conversations are really important. So what what do y'all hear students saying about the, these type of tools like ChatGPT? What's the buzz among the students? Well, we've... I'm not in the classroom this semester, so I haven't had that conversation. But our uh, writing consultants um, have, you know, mentioned it uh, here and there. I mean, we've and we've had, you know, some of them are concerned about, you know, some of the um, plagiarism questions. Uh, but then we have others who they think it's pretty cool. I and mean, we had one writing consultant who actually used it the other day in a session to help someone um, generate search terms for a topic. Um, this person was not keen on uh, experimenting with ChatGPT themselves <laughs> later. Um, but uh, yeah, but like so far from our consultants, I mean, we've seen kind of a mixture of you know this range of opinions. Um, yeah, um, I am in the classroom, although I have a very small class this semester of under 10 students, but so far it has not been mentioned, which is really interesting because my class is on um, subjectivity and objectivity in the modern world. <laughs> so we're talking about all of these weird overlaps between like external environment and what makes us human, but nobody has brought it up. Um, the writing in that class is very scaffolded, um, so I also have you know, I see their writing at every single stage and I hear their voices, so I'm pretty familiar with how they write. And I really don't think anybody, um, you know, has been using it that I'm, you know, and if they if they were, I'd be, I'd love to talk with them about it. But, um, but yeah, it really hasn't come up. And most of what we've heard, it's been just kind of like quiet murmurs. I've actually mm -hmm. been hearing a lot more about it from faculty. And um, I feel like it's been mm -hmm. very present in faculty conversations. Interesting. So, what do y'all think then the the future implications could be in the academic and professional landscape? Or how, how might that change things? 
So this is the part I really enjoy talking about because I just, I like thinking about abstract things and just like philosophy. Um, and I do think that we're kind of in for several years of rethinking like what it means to be human, what the definition of creativity is, um, what is the definition of original, um, how do we credit different people or things, um, what are the rights of AI, because a lot of what AI produces will be original to AI, so like are we plagiarizing in more way than one, like by using, you know, like <laughs> does the AI have a right to its own um, things that it's making. Um, I also think like these, as Jamie said, like they learn as they go, these programs, and a lot of how they learn is through our responses. Um, so I think it will be interesting to get a glimpse of like learning more about humanity by through the way that these programs adapt, because it kind of gives us a window into like what we value as a culture mm -hmm. and how we communicate and express ourselves that maybe we're not consciously aware of right now. Um, but also, oh, there was one other thing I was going to say. Um, well, I can't remember now, so I'll turn it over to you <laughs> and maybe I'll remember. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, as Dr. Bond said, we're going to have to really think about um, what's the purpose of all this writing that we do when we now have machines that can, you know, uh, just do it for, do some of these tasks for us. Um, you know, we're also, I mean, I think we're also going to have to start, you know, it, it'll be interesting also to see how this, I've been thinking about is how it gets uh, monetized, right? It's free right now. Um, but that's going to lead, I think, into some of those questions. Uh, Dr. Bond mentioned, you know, if they open up a, uh, you know, chat GPT monthly subscription or, you know, uh, what was I think the horrible model somebody suggested was like pay by the question or something you know <laughs> microtransactions, um, you know it, it's it's gonna it, that's gonna bleed into some of those questions about um, ownership of the material and who's profiting from it and um, yeah yeah that brings me back to what I forgot which was I think that we will have to be very careful about um, the way that we position ourselves as humans in relationship to AI in terms of. Um, my friend Michelle uh, Paranol Kaysen, she she and I were talking about this in a different context, and she made the point that, um, you know, we want to make sure that we're remaining creators and not just consumers, and mm -hmm. that there's a real danger in the use of AI of just becoming kind of passive consumers. And whenever we're consumers, you know, we give up a lot of power um, that writing ultimately gives us. Mm -hmm. Like one of the really exciting things about writing is that you can say what you want to say and people can listen. Um, but if we're just kind of handing that off um, and outsourcing it, we're, we're giving up a lot of like collective and individual um, agency that we might otherwise have in our societies or in culture. Um, but another thing I think we'll have to consider too is they, they have not been entirely open about what they're doing with the content we put in. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, like it's one thing to use ChatGPT to summarize an article that's already out there on the web. But um, if you put in your your own article draft and ask it, like, what are some things I could improve? You know, does ChatGPT now own your original research that you plan to publish somewhere else? Um, mm. I know, like, with tools like Turnitin, that's one reason I personally have never used it as a professor. And I'm always very cautious when I talk about it with other faculty is because they're not very transparent about what they do with the content that students put into Turnitin. And, you know, I always wonder, like, 
where's it going? Or, you know, are they using that to analyze like student behavior or trends in education or you, you just don't know. And so I wonder with uh, things like ChatGPT, what will happen to all of that input? And does it mean we're giving up things that might take away our ability to publish it or claim it as our own in other spaces? That's interesting. So then what do you think about the, the larger social, cultural, and economic shifts that could occur as this becomes more integrated into our lives in school and in the workplace? Well, I, I know a lot of people are very afraid of just, you know, they're saying things like, oh, it's going to take my job or, you know, I won't, there won't be jobs for like content creators in the future. And I'm not, I think it's too early to say, you know, I'm, I'm not an expert in, in economics, so I don't know. But I do think that it will become deeply integrated, but I don't necessarily, you know, personally, my, my outlook at this very early moment is that it won't fully replace um, humans, but that it will become more of a tool for like, you know, if we, if we have to create copy for websites, if that's part of our job, like what parts of that can be outsourced without sacrificing quality and which parts do I then still need to go in and like revise and edit and add to? Um, I think we're going to start to see more of just like a patchwork, which is why I think like defining originality or human human origin versus AI origin will become really tricky because it will probably be very interactive between the two and you might not be able to clearly identify where one starts and one ends. You know, if I'm constantly going back and forth on revising an email or a short article or something with AI, it's like you, you don't remember which words were mine, which words mm. were the AIs. I mean, does it make it mine because I'm in control of the organization and the overall content or does it not make it mine because AI also revised a lot of the sentences, um, which gets into um, some areas that I think like people have been more accepting of, but that are already kind of blurring these boundaries, like Grammarly, um, mm. which, you know, these tools suggest different ways to write sentences, but they still use LLMs, like it's the same mm. natural um, NLP or whatever, and it's the same LLM models, like it's the same programs and algorithms and software that's, that, you, that Grammarly uses, that ChatGPT uses, and both of them are using like predictive text and human learning to kind of generate ideas for how you might write better or differently. Um, and I don't see as much fear around things like Grammarly or Outlook's um, autofill um, mm -hmm. feature or like Microsoft Word's autofill feature or autocorrect, even though those things are, like I said, they're blurring the lines in a lot of the same ways. It's like, was it my sentence? I mean, <laughs> I wrote it to begin with, but then it suggested this other way to write it, and it's still my idea, but the sentence looks very different. So is that AI, or is it me, or is it both? Um, so yeah, I think that it will become murky waters and that the next probably decade or two will be people just um, trying in the professional landscape and academic landscape just trying to figure out those boundaries. So you brought up Grammarly and and Word and, you know, I mean, I think Google does it when you're writing an email, it suggests the next word. It's one thing to suggest the next word and then you have control. And Grammarly, I haven't used it myself, but I've, I've you know, seen how it's used and it, it'll do a lot of help you with a lot of corrections. So is that the difference between these two is that you have, I mean, you can still take what ChatGPT wrote and rewrite it, right? But is is what's the difference between these these tools, Grammarly, what Grammarly does, and other tools like that, and what models like ChatGPT are doing? Well, um, I mean, 
So Grammarly and like Microsoft Word's editor, we were chatting a little bit before we started recording. Um, the editor on Microsoft Word has come a long way since I was an undergrad. Mm-hmm. Like it's pretty good now. Um, but they're making kind of, you know, uh, they're making smaller word level grammatical kind of suggestions. Um, where and they're but like Dr. Bodbitch and you know ChatGPT and Grammarly and Microsoft Word Editor, they're using forms of AI. But the AI that is being used for ChatGPT, to my understanding, is much more sophisticated. It's generating, you know, um, it's generating large quantities of grammatically, largely yeah, grammatically correct prose um, from um, you know from from the sources that it's been trained on, um, and so it's. It's not, yeah, it's not the same as those, you know, kind of editors, um, I think, at least based on, you know, just scale of what it's doing. Well, let's take a short break and we'll come back with our continuing the conversation question. The Open Paws Food Pantry provides food and toiletry items for any currently enrolled Augusta University student who visits one of the two pantry locations. Please consider donating needed items such as non-perishable food and drink, hygiene products, and school supplies. Donations may be dropped off at either location, on the Somerville campus in Bellevue Hall and on the Health Sciences campus on the second floor of the Student Center. Both locations are open Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. until 5 p.m. If you know a student who may need assistance, they can find more information by visiting augusta.edu and search for open pause or by stopping by one of the pantry locations. As we wrap up, I want to ask y'all our continuing the conversation question, which is what resources would you point educators to who are curious or concerned about AI text generators? We have a page on our website for the Center for Writing Excellence. It's our Writing Across the Curriculum resources page. So if you go to augusta.edu slash CWE and then go to that um, tab on our dropdown for Writing Across the Curriculum, Writing across the curriculum resources, you'll find um, some things that we have posted. One of them is the Writing Across the Curriculum Association's statement on AI text generators in the classroom. Um, The Writing Across the Curriculum Association is the leading national organization for teaching writing um, in higher education across disciplines. Um, So they're they're a very trustworthy place. You can know that they've thought this through um, quite a bit. And they have some kind of guidelines for how you might work this in or um, guidelines for not using it at all. So they kind of give you language for both uh, sides, depending on what you choose to do. Um, They also have a really nice section where they just explain kind of the purpose of writing, um, which can be very helpful uh, for just thinking through your own um, goals and outcomes for your courses and why you've included writing. Because I want to just really stress to all educators, that's the million dollar question. Um, Why are you doing what you're doing? If there's intention behind it, then I think that you can easily justify why you are or or aren't allowing ChatGPT, or you can justify why you're using it in certain ways. But if you're not clear with the why, um, it's going to be very difficult. So that document can be helpful. We've also included uh, the writing, uh, or I think it's the WAC Clearinghouse. So Mm -hmm. Writing Across the Curriculum Clearinghouse is a major publisher in writing across the disciplines. Um, probably the leading publisher, and they have a list of resources and activities that you might consider for using AI text generators or not using them. And then um, the last resource that we posted is from Dr. Ben Irwin. He's a writing center director, I believe, at the University of California, Syracuse. And he 
just from what I had seen, from what we had seen, because we were looking around and seeing what kind of resources are people gathering, his list of readings and tutorials and articles um, seemed to be really nicely comprehensive in terms of um, just what it offers. So that list has articles on um, the history of writing. It has articles on the history of technology and writing, because believe it or not, you know, pencils are technology. <laughs> um, even the idea of writing something down on a page, like that is technology. Uh, Plato wrote about it. Uh, so there's like a, a, a history, so you can see how this has developed over time, and that might ease some anxiety, um, because I think this is just the next iteration of technology and mm-hmm. writing. Um, and there are sections in there on how uh, AI text generators can be helpful for supporting neurodivergent learners. And um, then there are lots of tutorials. There's also a section that includes some detectors um, if you decide to go that route. Um, so it's just a really nice list of resources. And we'll continue to update our page you know, and add um, anything that we develop or any other things that we see out there that would be helpful. Yeah, um, a couple of resources I found really helpful. I mean, first of all, if you're just interested in uh, some of the ethical questions about using ChatGPT and AI generators um, for higher education in particular, um, I. Uh, John Warner, who's a writing professor um, and just writer and writes um, kind of writing textbooks. Um, he's done a series of articles, I think, since you know the November launch of ChatGPT, like once a week or so, on some of these questions on inside higher education. Um, I think his last article was called uh, uh, "Let's Stop Talking About ChatGPT," but uh, <laughs> which no hope there. But um, but he has some really great, um, I think, insights um, and and trying to kind of thread the needle between some of the you know panic over Chat GPT, but also thinking about you know opportunities for for using it. Um, and he's so he has some great articles on that. And then another one I have found really helpful um, and that might be useful for faculty in particular um, is or interesting for faculty at least. Um, there's a Twitter user named uh, Mushtaq Bilal. Um, it's uh, M U S H T A Q B I L A L, and his uh, his Twitter handles uh, Mushtaq Bilal PhD, and um, he does a lot with um, he does a lot with like kind of using ChatGPT ethically for research, and he gives these really detailed like Twitter tutorials about ways that he's, he's the guy I mentioned earlier who wrote like the ten thousand word free write and then had played with ChatGPT to have it kind of shape it up into something more cogent. Um, and he's done, um, uh, you know, as someone in rhetoric and writing, I don't, he's, always, he's in a slightly different field. Um, I don't always agree with some of his philosophies around, you know, writing itself, but he d- has done some really useful work. Um, I mean, he's doing a lot of work just playing with these tools and other AI tools that academics might find interesting for gathering research and citing sources and stuff like that. So, Very interesting. Well, thank you all for joining us today. Um, thank you for having us. To talk about AI and higher ed. Would you like to share what social media platforms listeners can connect with you on? Yeah, um, we have a few. Um, Our biggest one is our Instagram. It's uh, at AUG underscore CWE. That's a great place to keep up with events that are happening in the Center for Writing Excellence. And you can also, you know, fun stuff like getting to know our writing consultants. um, And we share a lot from other, you know, departments as well. we have a Facebook page. It's just Augusta University Center for Writing Excellence. Please like that. Um, some of we use that more for kind of just um, you know big uh, updates on events and things like that. Um, and then we also have a, a LinkedIn page. If you just search for Augusta University Center for Writing Excellence, you can find that as well. Perfect. Anything else to add? 
Um, I would also add that we have a YouTube channel yes. um, that we're, we haven't done a lot with in the past, but Dr. Garner is really um, starting to build it up. So you might also try the YouTube. Um, it's just at it's, AUG underscore CWE mm-hmm. as well, right? Yes. Um, but thank you so much for having us. Yeah, this thank was you. a fun conversation. Yeah, thanks so much. And I know as it continues to develop, AI is nothing new, but this type of uh, text generating is is really catching a, a lot of steam. And so I know we'll, we'll be talking more about it in the future. Also, I want to thank our listeners. Please take a moment to rate, review, subscribe, and share Speaking of Higher Ed. We release new episodes on the third Wednesday of each month in spring and fall semesters. You can find the resources we discussed today on our show page at augusta.edu forward slash innovation. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash A-U-G-C-I-I. And you can email us at cii at augusta.edu. Just add podcast to the subject line. Speaking of Higher Ed is produced by the Center for Instructional Innovation at Augusta University.